Not only the mountains and the westward-bending river that he recognizes, not only the dark sides of Mount Morello opposite to him and the long valley of the Arno that seems to stretch its grey, low-tufted luxuriance to the far-off ridges of Carrara, and the steep height of Fiesole with its crown of monastic walls and cypresses, and all the green and grey slopes sprinkled with villas which he can name as he looks at them. He sees other familiar objects much closer to his daily walks, for though he misses the seventy or more towers that once surmounted the walls and encircled the city as with a regal diadem, his eyes will not dwell on that blank. They are drawn irresistibly to the unique tower springing like a tall flower stem drawn towards the sun from the square turreted mass of the old palace in the very heart of the city, the tower that looks none the worse for the four centuries that have passed since he used to walk under it. The great dome, too, greatest in the world, which in his early boyhood had been only a daring thought in the mind of a small, quick-eyed man, there it raises its large curves still eclipsing the hills. And the well-known bell-towers, Giotto's with its distant hint of rich colour, and the graceful-spired Badia and the rest, he looked at them all from the shoulder of his nurse. Surely, he thinks, Florence can still ring her bells with a solemn hammer sound that used to beat on the hearts of her citizens and strike out the fire there. And here on the right stands the long dark mass of Santa Croce, where we buried our famous dead, laying the laurel on their cold brows and fanning them with the breath of praise and of banners. But Santa Croce had no spire then. We Florentines were too full of great building projects to carry them all out in stone and marble. We had our frescoes and our shrines to pay for, not to speak of rapacious condottieri, bribed royalty and purchased territories, and our facades and spires must needs wait. But what architect can the Frati Minori have employed to build that spire for them? If it had been built in my day, Filippo Brunelleschi or Michelozzo would have devised something of another fashion than that, something worthy to crown the Church of Arnolfo. At this the spirit, with a sigh, lets his eyes travel on to the city walls. And now he dwells on the change there with wonder at these modern times. Why have five out of the eleven convenient gates been closed? And why above all should the towers have been levelled that were once a glory and defence? Is the world become so peaceful then? And do Florentines dwell in such harmony that there are no longer conspiracies to bring ambitious exiles home again with armed bands at their back? These are difficult questions. It is easier and pleasanter to recognize the old than to account for the new. And there flows the Arno with its bridges just where they used to be, the Ponte Vecchio, least like other bridges in the world, laden with the same quaint shops where our spirit remembers lingering a little on his way perhaps to look at the progress of that great palace which Messer Luca Pitti had set a building with huge stones got from the hill of Bogoli close behind or perhaps to transact a little business with the cloth dresses in Oltrano. The exorbitant line of the pitti roof is hidden from San Miniato. But the yearning of the old Florentine is not to see Messer Luca's too ambitious palace, which he built unto himself. It is to be down among those narrow streets and busy humming piazze, where he inherited the eager life of his father's. Is not the anxious voting with black and white beans still going on down there? 
Who are the priori in these months, eating soberly regulated official dinners in the Palazzo Vecchio, with removes of tripe and boiled partridges, seasoned by practical jokes against the ill-fated butt among those potent signors? Are not the significant banners still hung from the windows, still distributed with decent pomp under Orcagna's logier every two months? Life had its zest for the old Florentine, when he too trod the marble steps and shared in those dignities. His politics had an area as wide as his trade, which stretched from Syria to Britain. But they had also the passionate intensity and the detailed practical interest, which could belong only to a narrow scene of corporate action, only to the members of a community shut in close by the hills and by walls of six-mile circuit, where men knew each other as they passed in the street, set their eyes every day on the memorials of their commonwealth, and were conscious of having not simply the right to vote, but the chance of being voted for. He loved his honours and his gains.